and his wife Elizabeth and three young boys, Elijah, planning a church where people are moving. <laughs> Twin, Fies, Twin Falls, Idaho. To come this morning and open God's word with us to share his heart for the gospel and church planting just, and possibly as a body of believers here even partner with Twin Falls Community Church. Uh, as we pray through this as an elder team, as a leadership team, and as a congregation as a, as a whole. Would you join me this morning in welcoming Aaron Scott to proclaim the word? <laughs> He's taller than I am, but I got a longer beard. Um, as he's talked a little bit about it, our, our world is changing, and so with that, some of our mission strategy should change as well. Um, typically, over the last couple centuries, America has equipped uh, all kinds of people and poured all kinds of mission, uh, money into... Our world is changing. A lot of the world is actually trying to get into the United States. And uh, depending on your political views there, I'm not talking about political views. Strategy should also be to engage the people moving here. I sat in a missions class in seminary, and one of the, one of the graphs that our, Pat, my, my, my professor put up there was uh, and um, it raised my hand, and I And I would ask you the same question. What does that do to your mission strategy? The nations are literally coming to our doorsteps. Are we, as God's people, going to the nations on our front doorsteps? Um, I'm, I'm not going to get ahead of myself a little bit. Uh, I have the privilege today that Andrew's given me the privilege and the elders have given me a privilege of preaching today from uh, grass area and climbing all over everything. Uh, my, my brother and I joked about uh, the different things growing up. <clears throat> I actually broke my leg, not here, but in our, my dad's church, uh, jumping off our baptistry. Uh, so a lot, a lot of the stories that we can share about each other, there's mutual, like, let's just from the great state of Idaho, where my family is from. My, my wife, Elizabeth, is over here. Can you raise your hand, Elizabeth? Yes, she loves it when I embarrass her. Uh, she's my better half for her. And then we have three little ones, Elijah, who's five, Nathaniel, who is Gideon, who is just gets into everything. Uh, so uh, my purpose in being here today is to encourage your hearts in the gospel. Uh, and to witness to you of the work that God is actively doing today, uh, in, in particularly Twin Falls. Uh, yeah, it's, it's becoming that. And if, if you are planning, don't tell them you're from. The reason why we moved there actually originally had tied to the fact that so many people are moving to Idaho. Uh, it's the fastest growing state in America. So, but before 
we're going to look at Acts chapter 1, and then number 2, we're going to look in Twin Falls, Idaho. So, I'd like to invite you to open your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 1. And nine, or you can flick to it in your your phone. What comes to your mind? A period of history, movie, a TV show. One of the first thoughts that comes to my mind is Lord of the Rings. At its core. It's a story about kingdoms. It's a story of war between, uh, war, it's a war for Middle Earth between Sauron and his evil armies and everyone else. The kingdom of light versus the kingdom of darkness. Little hobbit casts a ring of the dark. And the world is saved. Kingdom. It's essentially a story about kingdoms. The book of Acts is also a story about kingdoms. It advances into the kingdoms of this world through the faithful proclamation of the gospel, resulting in local churches being planted. On this earth is the local church. You are the visible representation of God's kingdom here on earth. We come, but we look to the day when our king returns to claim his bride, us, renew all things and reign forever. Acts is a story about how the king's dominion spreads through the proclamation of the gospel, resulting in Plant the planting. That's one of the, that's my one main idea we're talking about today. Christ came and results in the planting of local churches. My two points are this: one, we must seek to advance Christ's kingdom through faithful proclamation of the gospel, both in private and public. Pro, uh, proclamation, and two, we must seek to advance Christ Luke, the author, is setting up the story of Acts in his first few sentences. He, re- he references Luke, volume one, right at the beginning, and pulls a story of 24 in a minute, but we're, we're going to read the passage together, verses 1 through 8. Notice, verse 8 is like a miniature sketch of the rest of the book of Acts. In a way, you can read the book read together, verses 1 through 8. <clears throat> In the first book, O Theophilus, the first book referencing is Jesus began to do and to teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. 
He presented himself alive to them after his and while staying with them, he ordered them not which he said, "You heard from me for for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now." So, when they had come together, they asked him. Lord, will you at this time? It's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. Thank you, Father, that this is your word and that we get to listen to God talk. I pray, God, that today you would stir our hearts and minds with truth. Motivate us with the hope of the gospel. Thank you, Father, for the gospel. Thank you that you called us. Affected the dead. Those people in here turn sins, and you resurrected us and gave us new life and hope through the gospel. I pray, God, that you would bless us, draw our attention to your glory in the gospel. Open the eyes of the gospel today. In Jesus' name, amen. Point number one, we must seek to advance of the gospel. Before I get too far uh, too much further into this sermon, I want us to clarify what is the gospel because you know, growing up, if you've ever When someone says the gospel, that term carries with it baggage. So what baggage is the right baggage to have in that term? How do we clarify? Well, let me first start by saying what the gospel is not. I do not mean... mean being baptized, although it is a result of it. I do not mean that the gospel is doing religious things. The gospel is not uh, me trying though the gospel speaks into that. I do not mean mercy ministry. I do not mean politics. I do not mean pro-life advocacy, though the gospel speaks leanings on gender or sexuality, although the gospel speaks deeply into that as well. I do not mean your particular denominational ties or political affiliations, and it doesn't mean so then what is the gospel? Turn with me back to Luke 24. Luke chapter 24. We're just going to look at the end of Luke's first referencing, you're going to be my witnesses, and you're going to go, when Jesus says, you're going to be my witnesses, and you're going all the Luke 24, verse 45. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Jesus talking to his disciples here. 
And he suffer. And on the third day, rise from the dead, and that repentance fills with power from on high. This is the parallel passage to Acts 1. So what is the gospel? I mean, you're paralleling it also with what was read this morning by my Matthew chapter 28. The gospel is that Jesus died for our sins. again the third day according to the scriptures that is the gospel day rise from the dead what hope do we have in the resurrection that jesus rose from the slam of god the perfect god died as an atoning sacrifice for your sins and of God, the righteous judge, and establishing a pathway for a relationship rescued from God's wrath and adopted into the family of God. It means that I stop seeking my own good works to save me, and it means that I turn to Jesus and trust in him alone to rescue me from my sin. He is now my king. That is the gospel. And it's that the disciples at that time. Let's get back to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Again, this is Luke volume 2. Luke volume 1. Acts tells the aftermath of Jesus' life. It's essentially how the kingdom advances. And so you look through Acts and you see this is the strategy of the king. Like Jesus is gathering his, his generals and saying this is the strategy. So let's look back. Let's look at verse number three. <clears throat> he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs appearing Their, their discussion, the kingdom of God. I mean, don't you wish you could have been a fly on the wall after Jesus rose from the dead and he walks alive with his disciples? Don't you wish you could have just listened to the conversations? Jesus, what was it like when they pressed the crown of thorns into your head. Jesus, what was it like when they nailed your hands to the cross? Jesus, what about the piercing? Jesus, what was it like when you opened your eyes after you ro rose from the dead? They were dry? Did you have mouth? Did they talk about the tension of the Trinity on the cross? Did they talk about what it was for the kingdom to Israel? Luke could not have picked any, couldn't he have picked another question? I mean, I mean, what did it look like when you walked out of the tomb? What happened to the dudes when they 
saw you and they fell over were you know all, all kinds of questions i think why is luke putting that question here because he wants us to be thinking about the kingdom this book is about the kingdom he doesn't put it at the end of luke he puts it at the beginning of acts so that you and i as we read this think And here's how. Are we, uh, if, I, if I, get, I go back, what is, it seems like a really weird question to me, right? You've spent three years, and then for the last 40 days, he's talked to you about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. And then you ask questions. Are you going to restore the kingdom now? What a dumb... What goes into the mind of a Jewish reader as he's reading about the kingdom? He's thinking about the king of Israel. That is... This king who can feed massive, a massive army of 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. He can raise the dead. He can turn water into wine. He can heal the wounded. He can silence the wind and the animal kingdom. And who, th this is one who death cannot defeat. What better military king would you want to have that? This is a military king, so when do we sack Rome? Hey, Jesus, when are you going to put together, when do we all of the zealots in Israel in, like, Rome? That's what's going on in the mind of, of Luke's reading, readers. Are we so much different than the disciples? All our hearts are desired. King. But because our hearts are sinful, Lord, over all kings and kingdoms of this earth. Or maybe our hearts to advance through the accumulation of wealth or the advancement of my occupation. To what? satisfaction in northern california you have a unique political climate right while this area is typically politically conservative your public policies are controlled by not conservatives in this our hearts are to look to a conservative earthly leader for hope and justice if we're not careful our primary identity as Christians can become rooted when this happens we begin to look at people with different political and moral stances as enemies rather than people for whom Jesus has died can you imagine being in the first century a Jew and you have watched as your family has been ruined by Romans 
And Jesus says to his disciples, but we're going to sack Rome through the hope of the gospel. Where does Acts end? It acts with Jesus sacking Rome. He's presenting the gospel and the hope of Jesus and that Jesus is the king to Caesar. Jesus is king. And that's what this book is all about. The kingdom advancement of Jesus, our only hope in life and death. We cannot let our hearts look to earthly rulers for help. America is not the kingdom of heaven. We must set our hearts on the hope of the gospel and see our neighbor that lens. The book of Acts is an unfolding story of how Jesus... other city by conquering sin, death, and our idolatrous hearts. Even Caesar must bow to King Jesus and submit to his rule and dominion. So this little question is intended to draw our attentions to the whole story of the book of Acts. Remember, Christ's kingdom advances planting of local churches. So look, at, look with me back at, at the text. Look at verse 7. Questions? He said to them, it's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. Dumb question! I've been teaching you this for three and a half years! No! Jesus' response is gracious. Humble and kind. Jesus' response is to remind the disciples that God, his Father, is sovereign over everything. Father has planned it good and faithful, the Father says. Isn't verse 7 such a good reminder to us of God's faithfulness? Especially in the light of 2020. Loss, death, riots, racism, politics, elections, disappointments. What a crazy year. And all of us are asking, God, what are you doing? It's the same, essentially the same question that the... It's not for you to know the times and seasons that the Father has planned and fixed by his own authority. Mother, sister, a year of chaos, turmoil, and hardships. A year we are all asking God, what the graciously responds, Christian, it's not for you to know the times that the Father has fixed. Graciously calling the disciples, and he is calling you and me to trust the Father's plan. It's not easy. Love 
God and his, advance his kingdom through the faithful proclamation of the gospel. Look back at verse 8. when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This verse is taken in some people's minds like the uh, Star Wars Emperor. That's not what's going on in this text. The Holy Spirit is going to come on them. And what is the result of the Holy Spirit's indwelling? The advancement of the kingdom through the power of the gospel. The presence and proclamation of the gospel. This verse is the geographical blueprint. Again, think of this statement as Jesus pulling his generals into the war room and showing the map battle strategy. battle pieces on the map. Jesus is saying, start in Jerusalem. to conquer Samaria and the rest of the world. That's what's happening. He's letting them know that the kingdom advances through the faithful proclamation of the gospel and results in the planting of local churches. As you, I'm not going to go through the whole book of Acts, but that's what happens. You have examples of, of individual personal proclamation of the gospel. Personal evangelism and discipleship. Then you have Peter and Paul publicly proclaiming the gospel. Both personal and public And the result, local churches are planted. Your pastor proclaims the gospel every week, but what about your personal evangelism? How do you view those moving up from Southern California? Do you view them as the enemy because they don't vote like you or have the moral stance as you do? I mean, I have this conversation with myself often in Idaho. How are you praying for your neighbor? Are you praying that God would save them? How are you engaging your neighbor? Have you had them over for dinner to develop a relationship? I would say that the neighbors of many Christians won't even talk to them because of the walls that and all of them are devotion to false kings. What's your false king? Your hobby? Your policy? neighbor for Christ? How are you engaging your co-workers with the gospel? Do you pray for them as you interact with them at the water fountain? Well, actually, probably not working with them right now. I'm more like emailing or uh, Zoom calling them. Or what does your life play the gospel to your neighbors? When they see you, 
what do your neighbors think? Every aspect of that person's life? Do they think... Do they think of hunting? Do they think Trump? Do they think pro-life? Do they think music? Does your life proclaim the gospel to those around you? Or is your life proclaiming a false gospel? Even good things are not the gospel. Remember, Christ is the planting of local churches. Wouldn't it be wonderful if next year at this time, Crosspoint had exponentially grown because people had stopped seeing their neighbors as political enemies and having them over for a meal, engaging them with the gospel? Wouldn't that be awesome? So maybe you're here today and all of this is new to you. Kings? This message is for you too. As I've already stated, the Bible tells the story of how God is the righteous God who is just and holy. He made us. But we stands condemned to die justly because we have violated his laws. We must but God sent his only son Jesus to live a perfect life and to our penalty taker my penalty taker and your and yours. innocent. His death serves as the sacrifice for my sins and yours. And it also serves as as the just sacrifice for our self-righteousness, which is also sin. We must turn from our sin and self-righteousness to the good king who died in our place. Don't you turn from your sin and your self-righteousness and trust in the good king. So we've seen that we must seek to advance Christ's kingdom through faithful proclamation of the gospel, both individually and from the pulpit. Now we'll see point two. We must seek to advance Christ's kingdom through planting local churches. If you read through the book of Acts, it's all about planting. Uh, Philippi, all through the whole book, local churches are planted through the proclamation. Embassies of his kingdom in every city, in every town, and every village. People, nation, ethnicity would hear the good news of salvation. Point are an outpost of Christ's kingdom. The story of the in California. And the mission 
and prediction are still the same. Advance the kingdom through the faithful proclamation of the gospel, resulting in the planting of local churches. To faithfully proclaim the gospel, which results in planting local churches. had the privilege of going through town with one of your former pastors, the founding pastor, one that the, the, he had relationships in. And he would say, oh, that church right there, we planted that church 50 years ago. And it's still alive. Oh, and that, and that church over there, the heartbeat of this church has been the faithful proclamation of the gospel and planting churches. And what, what act churches sending and supporting pastors to start new churches? The goal is to start new churches with new believers. This is why the Lord led us to Twin Falls. <clears throat> My wife and I have, have, a, have had a heart for the gospel to go to the West for several years. I was raised in Colorado. Um, but after receiving sound advice from our pastor, we began preparing for going west. And this is where we're going to transition from text to, I'm going to talk to you about what God is actually doing in falls. Praying about, Lord, what would you have us do? And, and we had been praying for quite some time. But specific, so we looked, uh, our four criteria was anything from Colorado, Colorado, Colorado and beyond, so the West, anything that is rapidly growing, am I stepping on something? Any small town that is rapidly growing, any town that is, uh, is without a family, basically that just means there's a Costco there. That was my wife's input. Maybe I think she actually found the town by looking at targets. Uh, where's the targets? Um, what areas, where can we be used in kind of listening for the Lord's advice and uh, direction on where would he have us go? We actually had prayed about, Lord, would you have us come to California? Whether that's down south or up north. I have a friend who helped plant a church down in like downtown L.A., um, friends and, and pastors and research, doing research, we found that uh, Idaho is the fastest growing state in America and has been, has been trying to get there. Uh, and then we found out that the, the uh, Baptist Association Idaho in 17 years. Amidst, amidst all the rapid uh, growth in Idaho. So our, our vision kind of went there, had a conversation with the pastor over the phone, and he was basically like, hey, we're planting churches in this area, uh, in Coeur d'Alene, we're planting churches, actually I think he said Boise, Twin Falls, Pocatello, and Idaho Falls. My wife and I, two days earlier, had been praying, and I said to her, Liz, where would you like to So we, I, I, it was just kind of random at the time, but like, I, okay, let's start praying about that. Let's see what the Lord does. <clears throat> uh, so we called this pastor, and the pastor says, 
hey, we're planting, two days later, he says, we're planting churches. We need someone to plant a church in Twin Falls, Idaho. Boom, my radar goes off. Lord, it seems like you may be starting to point our direction this way. So I passed, talked to another pastor and said, yes, we need churches planted. We've actually been praying for five and a half years for someone to come plant a church in Twin Falls, Idaho. It sends chills up my back because five and a half years ago, the Lord was calling us to go to seminary, and our connections at that seminary led us to Twin Falls, Idaho. The Lord had been planning it all along. We get to Twin Falls, Idaho, and the Lord has done nothing but grow his church. It's, it's like Acts 1-7. going to grow his church. He's the one planting Twin Falls Community Church, and we get to be a part of it. It's crazy to, to and it's funny also, if you, I don't have, I'm going to need to wrap this up because nursery workers are going to start dying soon. <laughs> um, but uh, it's interesting to see how God has, has sovereignly constituted the church yet, but we have about eight to ten families who are part of our, our regular Bible studies happening on Sunday evenings. Um, and four uh, of those people were relationships that were established through things that broke in our house. <laughs> Literally, the plumber is there. <laughs> After like our floor flooding we actually had one of those like big plastic uh pools catching the water in our basement our restoration company guy so we were out of town for three days and in that time and uh it was actually a completely other crack in the pipes than the guy had fixed so we called our restoration company and that restoration guy goes hey conversation with my wife i was out at a meeting and he says hey we have been looking for a local church for years let's talk so we got together from they're now part of our bible study the people that helped us with our carpet they're now part of our bible study the lord just keeps bringing people who has god brought across your path that needs to hear the gospel Eyes to see the lost. The people that you pass every day. The people that you talk to at the grocery store. The people that your waitress. Anybody that you interact with. Eyes to see the lost. Not as enemies for political parties. But as people who need to submit as fellow believers and, and people who I know my brother has talked to who care deeply about the gospel, I would encourage you to begin praying for your neighbors and your co-workers if you haven't already for public proclamation of the gospel and to see local churches planted out of this church. That's my cry to you. The advancement of the results in local churches being planted for the glory of God. Let's pray.
Father, thank you for anything. Your kingdom is not up to us. But Lord, you have entrusted us with the advancement of We are broken people. We're not perfect. For you are going to grow this church in the gospel. In Jesus' name.